Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to continue our series right now. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open with me to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 is our text for today, and we're going to be reading a very well-known story, and it's the story of Jesus calming the storm. And this is a story that, that, that even non-believers, the world knows this story because it's a story that's very famous and, and is an amazing miracle of Jesus. But it comes right on the back of Jesus feeding the 5,000, doing another miracle, doing another amazing provision, miracle of provision. But then it continues here in Matthew 14, and we pick it up right now in verse 22. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat And go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And I just have to stop there because I I just want to share a little bit about where my brain goes sometimes. But I thought, it says, while he dismissed the crowds. So Jesus didn't say to the the disciples, hey, you guys take care of just finish, do do, do a final prayer, you know, for the people. And then then I'm going to head off to the mountain. It says that he dismissed. Have you ever wondered what it would be like for Jesus himself to dismiss church? To be like, hey guys, thanks for being here. Pray you have a great week. Come back next week because the miracle is going to be even better. <laughs> so see you next Sunday type. Could you imagine Jesus dismissing church? I don't know. That's just a little look into my brain. But that's where I went this week. But it goes on. It says again that he, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So he sent the disciples, insisted that they get on the boat and go. Then he dismissed the crowds. Then he goes to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered them, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, You are the Son of God. I want to preach part three of our series first. This is a title today. You can write it down. First, live. First, live. Let's pray over the word today. Lord, we thank you for your word today, God. We thank you that it always instructs us, speaks to us, helps us, shapes us, and molds us, Lord. And God, we're grateful today as we look to your word for for not just inspiration, Lord, but truth. And we God, we thank you that it, it changes who we are, Lord, changes how we see things, God. So, Father, we ask that you would show us things through your word today. Father, we thank you for Colonial Kids as well. We ask that you would bless them today as they're in church and enjoying time in your house. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we began the series with first God. 
that was the first part of the series, was talking about the sovereignty of God, the immutability of God, the unchanging nature of who God is. It doesn't matter what we try to do, we can never be put in the place of God. God is first. And then I talked last week about bringing, first bring, which was a message that on the surface level, you might have thought it was about money, but it wasn't. It was about our hearts. It was about trust. It was about faith, about deciding that I can bring back to God what He has decided is His. The first is God's. And so last week was first bring. It's always good to see people back in church the next week after you've just preached a message on money. Praise God. Hallelujah. And this week, first, live. How do we live giving God the place of honor, the place of first. And how do we have an ongoing commitment across the broad spectrum of our lives as we give God first place? I mean, it's a reasonable question. I mean, what, upon salvation, saying yes to Jesus, being born again, we experience the joy of knowing God. We experience man, the, the talk about the firstness of God. I, I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord and you know, it seemed like I was just operating on a cloud because I had met Jesus and it was incredible. But then it's amazing how you've got to then keep walking with Jesus beyond that season. So it's a reasonable question. How do we first live for God and give God first place across our lives? And I know there's a lot that we could cover with this, but I have a direction I believe God wants us to go in today. But if we could just go back to this passage, this story, there's some things that I believe God has shown me I wanted to share with you. I've read this story so many times, like you probably have too. If you've grown up in church a long time and you've been in church a long time, you would have seen this story, you would have heard this story, but we often look at it as like the fear story. That it's about fear and doubt and that it is. Sometimes we think of it as the miracle story. That God did a miracle and it is. A miracle story. Sometimes we think of it as the Peter story. Peter gets the airtime. He jumps in. He says, Lord, you command me to come to you. And, and he does. And it's a story of Peter and what, what happens to Peter and the way that Jesus takes care of him. It's, it's also the Peter story. He walks on water, the first person ever to walk on water until Kelly Slater. Just making sure you're still awake. But I want to propose for us today in this series that we're in about the God-first life that this, act, this story is actually your story. It's actually my story. So what do I mean by that? Well, and this is sort of what I believe God's shown me is there's certain parallels in this story that exist in our own lives. So in this story, there's obviously some, some parts to it. There's the boat. And to me, that represents your life your existence in this world. There's the people in the boat. That represents the people you do life with, your community, the, 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 the people that are in the boat that you're called to do life with. So there's the boat, there's the people, there's also the weather. That represents the world. To me, that represents the wind and the waves and the ocean, the storms, the journey of life. And then there's God. And in this case, it's the Son of God, Jesus, who comes 
into the world in this story and does what only God can do, which is save, which is rescue. Come on, somebody. Which is deliver, which is bring about his goodness and his grace and his mercy to people. So if the boat is my life, And God can be first, and it's my option in my life to live a God-first life. How do I do that? I've got three thoughts for us today using the parallel of this story. So point number one is this. This is what we've got to do. We've got to look inside. I want you to go with me with this parallel, with this sort of analogy here, but sometimes we've got to look inside the boat. Look inside and... See what we've got going on and ask the Holy Spirit, and this is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is to bring to our attention the stuff that needs handling, the stuff that needs working, maybe some maintenance that's required, maybe there's a hole in the boat that needs to be taken care of. I believe it's a good thing to look inside, to look inward, to consider at times what's going on inside the boat, inside our lives. Let me just say this, don't waste your boat. Don't waste your life. All boats, all lives have potential. Where there's breath, there's hope. And every life has the potential to grow And I believe to be a God-first kind of life. Your life, it counts. That's why God gave it to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, the Apostle Paul gives very clear instructions to the people of God, new believers in Thessalonica at the time. And I love in the New Testament letters especially is the way that the Apostle Paul, it just gives very clear instructions when it comes to how you should just live your life. Okay, I wanted to share a couple, but 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 1 says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Whenever the Bible says walk, talks about walking, it's talking about doing life. It's about your boat. It's about your life that God has given you. He says how you ought to live. And to please God. Just as you are doing that, you do so more and more. Look at verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now look at verse 11. Look at how clear this is. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. I just wanted to say this. Isn't it amazing that the Apostle Paul is saying to Christians, he's saying you should aspire. In other words, you should see it as a a good place to go to, a high place to live quietly. I feel like today in this world that we live in, it seems like every individual is just wanting to make as much noise as they can. And that's the world system, but we are called to live to a higher standard. And it's amazing how God is not saying be loud, He's saying be quiet. 
and that we can aspire to live quietly and mind our own affairs. Paul says this is how you're supposed to live as Christ's followers, to look inside the boat and to take care of your own boat, your own affairs. Take inventory. This is a good thing to do from time to time as we consider a God-first life. But maybe there's, there's, a, there's a season coming or maybe you're in a season right now where it's just like, man, I need to look after the things in my boat. I need to take care of my stuff, my life. Make changes where necessary. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you become the, the, the person God wants you to be. And so there are some, obviously, a million different directions that I could go with this, looking inside, considering how to take care of what God has given us. But I wanted to go in the direction today, just for a moment, when it comes to social media and devices and this culture we're living in. How do we operate a first, live for God life with the device-driven, screen-driven, social media age that we're in? See, I'm actually, it's crazy to say this, but I actually was around before all this. And I remember if I wanted to hang out with one of my mates, there was actually a wall that I had to go to in the house I lived in. And I'd have to walk up to that wall and pick this thing up. And you could only go about five feet away from that point. That was, it was like this, this radius. That's all you had. Unless you were blessed and you had one of those extra long cords. You know, you could go into a room, close the door. We weren't that blessed. But you would have to go to the wall, pick that handset up, remember the number, dial it, and hope they picked up. And if my mate picked up, I'd say, hey, do you want to go ride bikes in the street? Do you want to go skateboarding? Do you want to go do something? That was what social networking used to look like. And then you would obviously have to put it back on the wall. Chunk. But that's how it all began. And then it sort of started off as this social media, sorry, social networking thing. It was going to be all positive And man, you're going to be able to connect with people online. And it's going to be great. And then the media got involved. And then it became social media, and then technology came along with it, and now we have these little things that we carry around in our pockets with us everywhere we go. And I just want to take a moment, I'm not saying you got to do this, I'm not saying that you got to do that, but I just want to take a moment and address it, if that's okay. And I was wrestling with this message and I asked, I was like, God, is this, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to, 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 to go in this direction with the message? And I felt like the Holy Spirit gently reminded me that if I won't do it, who will? Yeah. That the world is very, very out there with all kinds of strategies and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's a good time for maybe the church to start talking about some of these things because the average teen in America spends nine hours a day on screens, and the majority of that is on social media. That's the average. And the average adult is about a little, a little over half of that, but the majority of that is still on social media. Social media has changed the way we think. 
And I just want to take a moment, give us some facts, okay? Just, this will just take a second. But the brain is now being rewired because of social media, the way we think. What started out as just networking, community, it's all going to be great, has now turned into a full-on culture-shaping influence. And if we aren't careful, devices and social media can really mess up our boat, can even at times, if we're not careful, steal the boat. And what's happening here is significant. I want, to, I want to address it in church. I'm not going to do this very often. This is not something that we do all the time, not in here every week telling anyone how they should live their lives. But this is significant, especially if you're raising young people, especially if, you're, if, 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 if this, you, know, you might be in here today and be like, I'm not even on social media. Well, that's awesome. Good for you if that's how you want to live. But the statistics are telling us and the studies are now being done of how this is really affecting people. This is also really affecting mental health. It's affecting emotional health. But this stuff, when it, when it comes to how we think, is really, really interesting. There have been studies being done right now that are talking about reward pathways in the brain that are being changed because of social media. And as I read this small part of a report. I just want to read it to you because it's very important. Beyond lowering your ability to maintain attention spans on any one selected topic, Social media makes you addicted to your screens. It provides immediate rewards in the form of a dopamine release, which is the happy hormone, every time you post or get a notification from an app. They're proving this now. The studies are just starting to show this. This constant barrage of shallow rewards rewires the brain to want more of what caused that dopamine release which leads to social media addiction. Studies show, now I want you to just hear this. Studies show that the brain scans of, a heavy, of heavy social media users look very similar to those addicted to drugs or gambling. Now understand, this may be not everyone's battle. I understand this might not be, but you might be in here today and you're like, man, this is actually a real challenge for me. I feel this, this makes, a, this, this, this is me. And maybe you're in here today and you're a parent of someone that's really going through this as well. But this is the shift in environment. And this is my big thought when it comes to this issue. And this is just what I wanted to offer today. Either I rule my social media or it will rule me. I'm going to say it a different way. Either I rule my phone, or you, you know what I'm about to say, it will rule me. And some of you have experienced that. Some of you have experienced it. And I thought of this verse, the Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians 6, and I felt like the Lord put it on my heart right before I got up to speak in the 8 o'clock this morning. I want to read it to you. This is what the Apostle Paul said. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will, be, I will not... Be dominated by anything. Listen to it in the message. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. So I wanted to just go practical for a moment, okay? And I'm sharing from my journey. This is something that Jill and I, we have, we have forged out some of this and We've implemented some of this, and these are just pastoral 
call them recommendations, okay? But I just want to put a disclaimer in here. I'm not telling anyone what to do. I'm not saying you should go outside and throw your phone, you know, out the window as you leave (laughs) or anything like that. Or we should have a big party and throw all our phones in a burning trash can and move to a property somewhere and start a cult. Not saying that. (laughs) Everyone clear? Are we good? But these are just some thoughts. And, I, and, and, and I'm not saying, again, that anyone needs to do any of these, but this is just something that I just wanted to offer as I begin. I want to say this. First of all, social media is not real. It's a projected image of something that might be real. But here's what we need to understand. We always have to come back to truth. Whatever God creates is perfect and it's beautiful. And then what the enemy wants to do is come right along behind that and try to offer something that appears like it's from God, but it's not actually God. And this is the problem with social media, is that it can appear like it's real, but it's actually not real. That's why Instagram is only show your best and hide the rest. I mean, I just, I'm just going to tell you just from my own, my own life, but if I'm having a really bad day, which I know it's hard to believe, but sometimes I have a bad day. I just don't have a good day. What I'm not thinking right then and there is, oh, let me get my phone and let me show the world how bad of a day I'm having. This is the problem, the potential problem with social media is it's all just projected image of a perfect life, but the reality is no one has a perfect life. Okay, and I'm saying this because I want us to understand what we're actually dealing with and then be able to do what Paul said and said, I will not be dominated by anything. Either I rule this or it's going to rule me. Now, we take social media as a church. We've done a lot with it, but can I just encourage you? It's always been about glorifying God, getting the gospel out there, helping people understand from an information perspective what's happening at church. It's never been about the social media. It's been about Jesus, (laughs) praise God. But we, you know, I think the church should take whatever the world's offering right up now and and do what Nathan Finocchio says, baptize it in Jesus' name. Take it and say, yeah, we'll take that tool and we'll give God the glory. But we've got to look inside and we've got to be willing to, to take inventory. So I wanted to give us a few things that might help. These are just pastoral ideas not saying you need to do these or you should do these. This is just, I'm offering these to you. Something that Jill and I have implemented at times and they've been really helpful. The first is this, try turning off notifications. I'm going to get super practical. Try turning off all social media and media notifications. This is the either my, I rule my phone or it will rule me. This is what I started to learn. There's, with all the the stuff going on in the world and all the stuff that's happening is that my emotional and mental health was being hijacked every single day, sometimes hour by hour by social media notifications. So I just decided to do what Paul said. I'm not going to be dominated by that anymore. I just turned them off. I turned off all, in fact, all notifications except text messages and Ace Hardware because you want to know about those coupons when they come through. But just try it. Just try turning off the notifications. So I only know what's going on in social media and media world when I go in there and I decide I want to go in there. 
But let's be people that understand we get a choice. I can look inside. I can right-size this boat right now by maybe doing that. So that's one option. Try turning those off. Another one is just try Sabbathing all media from time to time. This is something that we've done, and it just eliminates noise. Try taking a day a week. Try taking one month a year. Try taking time. But it is a healthy and very good thing to say, I'm going to Sabbath from all this. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to maybe spiritually cleanse it out. I'm going to take it out of my life and allow it to bless you. That's the point of Sabbath is it's meant to bless us. Another option, and this is, this is bold, okay? All right, this is bold. Try a phone-free day. I recently had a phone that, um, you know, I just had had it for a couple of years and the battery was starting to die and I had this issue with the, the, the charging port. Some of you, this has happened to you, but it's just like the cable doesn't go in right anymore and it's like you've got to kind of jiggle the cable to get like the right angle. Has anyone else experienced this? And I started to just take this to extremes. Like, what is wrong with me? But I'm like, I'm at the kitchen counter and I'm putting it up on the, on the kitchen counter against the wall at the right angle, trying to get the cable to sit right. I'm getting frustrated at the dog who's like, you know, next to me because it's not charging right. And then in my truck, same thing. I'm trying to get the cable to go at the right angle and it just none of it was working. And then what would happen is the battery just kept dying just after a few hours and... I basically had no working phone. And this is what I discovered is actually started to bless me. <laughs> so I'd start texting Jill and I'd just be like, hey, babe, my phone's about to die. Just so you know, I'm going to be here or I'm going to be there. And I'd get hours and hours without a phone. Here's what I learned. I was amazed. The, the world kept turning when I came back to my phone and charged it up. The whole world kept turning on the right axis. Things kept happening. God was still providing for people. No one needed my help. It's a healthy thing. That's healthy perspective that everything's going to be okay. So I just want to encourage you from our journey, try a phone-free day. Just leave it at home. Try it for half a day just to get, get started. But this is something that will help, I believe, emotional health, Mental health. But let's, let's, let's look at stuff like this. But just being off our phones, I think, is, is a positive thing. I just wanted to add this in as well because, again, this is something that God's showing me and I want to share what I'm learning. But one of the things I feel like God has been saying to me recently is when you're around your kids, be around your kids. When I'm present with my children, I want to be present with my children. And I'm not trying to tell anyone how to parent, but this is the conviction on my heart is that when I'm with my beautiful children that I care a thousand multiple times more than any device. But just, I, I believe this is something that we can do. And it's what Paul said, I won't be dominated by it. And this is something else I wanted to offer out there. And this is going to be my challenge to our church. Our whole church, I said this in all three services today, go Bible first, go Bible last. So what does that mean? What if we gave God the first in the day? Well, we woke up and instead of going to notifications, instead of going to the world, we go to the Word. And we decide that, God, you're going to get the first part of my day. And God, before I go to sleep, 
you're going to get the last part of my day. And here's, what, here's, here's my hope and my prayer. Even if it's just one verse before you go to sleep, this is what I'm believing for, is that your sleep's going to be better, your mental health's going to be better. Maybe if you struggle with anxiety, that's going to, that's going to lessen. Because here's what I believe will happen when you do this, is you'll be like, you'll be like the man in Psalm 1. What does he do? He meditates on the Word day and night. And I would just love it if we could, as a church, take up the challenge and say, you know what, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to give God the first. And when I go to sleep at night, I'm going to give Him the last. And I just, I, I know the Holy Spirit. And I just know He's going to use that verse. I know He's going to use something in that verse or something in that. It's just something's going to happen because this is the God we serve. He always does more than we think. So we think, okay, God, all right, fine. I'll try this. Pastor Matt said I should do this, which I didn't. Just saying maybe you should. But this is what God does. He takes what we think and He does so much more. So one word, one verse. Maybe it's just one part of a psalm and you go off to sleep and you are meditating on God's Word. Instead of anxiety, it's replaced with God's Word. Instead of maybe depression that day, it's replaced with God's Word. Maybe it's addiction to devices, all of a sudden it's replaced with the sword of truth. Why don't we try it? Go Bible first, go Bible last. Every day. And I believe this has the power to change. So we've got to look inside. We've got to take inventory, right-size the boat, make the changes where necessary. Something else we can do when it comes to our life is when we're in the boat, look around the boat. Look around your life and see who's there. It's interesting that although Peter gets all the airtime, he gets the main screen time in this story, he was with other people. He was with other people. Let me ask you, who are your people? This is how we live first. I believe we should look around from time to time and consider who's in the boat with us. Other people in our boat, people of faith. Other people in our boat, people who want to see us grow. Other people in our boat, people that want to lead us higher in our pursuits. Other people in our boat are they people that want to see God's best in my life just as much as I do. Because I want to be that friend for someone else in their boat that I want God's best for them just as much as they do. But we can look around, and this is what's been happening for me lately. I've been reflecting on my relationships just lately. When I'm approaching 40, maybe I'm having issues. I don't know. But I've been just reflecting on relationships, and I've been spending time bringing that before the Lord and asking Him, God, why was that person in my life then and not now? Why was that person in the boat then, but they're not in the boat now? Why is that, God? And I feel like the Lord reminds me because I'm the one you gave the authority to, to add or remove people from your boat. And this is the, the God first life is we surrender to God and we say, God, you have the keys. You have the control. You're the one who can add. You're the one who can remove. I trust you with who's in my boat. Do you allow God to add the right people, to take out the wrong people, or maybe people that just needed to be in the boat for a certain season. 
If you need more people, have you prayed? Because this is what I know is when you pray for God to put people in your life, He does. He gives you exactly who you need. God gave me a revelation years ago with our church. He's going to give us just as much in terms of people as He is when it comes to resource. That God, He works that way. He doesn't just give you maybe money in the moment, but He also gives you people. And that if you're in your boat right now, you're like, I don't have a lot of people. Pray, ask God, look around and say, God, I give you the authority to add. I give you the authority to delete, to remove if necessary. And then finally, what have we got to do? We've got to look beyond. We have to, with our lives, be willing to look out beyond the boat and see where our help comes from. The disciples, they were afraid. They, they, they were freaking out. But we, we live on the other side of the cross. We live on the other side of the victory of the resurrection. We live on the other side of the promised coming of the Holy Spirit, which is a permanent feature in our lives. So we know when we look where we're looking and what we're looking for, we're looking for the power of God that comes into our lives. So as we do these things, look inside, make changes, look around, believe for God to give us the right people. Can we be people that remember we serve a supernatural God? We send a God who brings provision from heaven. This isn't an earthly, natural thing. We look to the God who is outside of all this, that came into all this, into our boat. And He helps us. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Do you know where Jesus was at 4 a.m. when the disciples were getting beaten up by the weather? Do you know where he was? He was coming from the mountain. He went up to the mountain to pray. He went up to the mountain to seek the will of God. He went up to the mountain to, 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 to spend time with his Father in heaven, but it was from the mountain that he came down and rescued. And it says in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where are you looking right now? Where are you looking for your help? Where are you, are you looking to earthly things? Are you looking to the natural? Are you looking to the stuff that maybe you've already experienced? Can I just encourage you to lift up your eyes? Lift up your eyes to the mountains. Believe that that's where your help comes from because your helper is coming. He's coming from the mountain. He's coming to your boat. He's coming to help you. Come on, would you stand with me? Let's believe together to look beyond. Let's be people who look above, that go higher in Jesus' name. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your boat. You're like, what does that mean? I want to pray for your life. And maybe you've been listening to this message and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, which I believe He is, that this is an area that maybe when I, when I was talking about social media and devices, addiction is something that if you're honest with yourself, that's something that you're dealing with. I want to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to break that addiction, for you to, re, to return to, to, to doing what Paul said and saying, yes, yeah, some things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And I'm choosing today to go with what God says is helpful in my life. So I want to pray for you. And maybe you're in here today and it's like, man, I'm, I, the thing about the boat and the people in the boat, that, that, that really is something that I need to focus on. And I just don't have the right people right now. I want to pray that God's going to send them, that you're going to just be blown away by the way God takes care of that.
So if that's you this morning, just head, heads bowed, eyes closed, it's just for you. If, if, this is, if this message has been helpful and you just know that this is an area, maybe it is addiction, maybe it's relational, maybe it's got to do with some of that emotional health stuff that I was talking about, or maybe it's relationships in your boat. You just lift up your hand. This is between you and God, but I want to pray for you. I want to pray specifically that from this moment forward, there's breakthrough. From this moment forward, there's deliverance. From this moment forward, there's help. Holy Spirit, you see all the hands that are raised. Holy Spirit, you see the hands that are open. God, we ask right now for our help to come. Father, we thank you that our help doesn't come from a weak place but it comes from a high place. It comes from the mountains, God. So Father, we pray right now that you would send the help. Father, you would help us right-size the boats. Lord, if it's relationships, God, we say you can add and you can remove. God, if it's emotional health and mental health, God, we pray right now for healing. Father, if there's addictions here, we pray that you would break the power of addiction today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.